Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have the steel guitarist for William Michael Morgan, Lance Martin. You're going to hear a story of growing up in Kentucky, his time studying psychology, and now playing on the road with William Michael Morgan. I had a great time talking to Lance. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have steel guitarist Lance Martin with us. How are you doing today, Lance? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, getting right into your story, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? So I grew up in northern Kentucky, uh, about 20 minutes south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Only child and didn't grow up in a musical family. So uh, music really wasn't like a huge aspect of my childhood. I mean, I'd say the, the most experience I had with music was just kind of going to church with my family and stuff as a kid and seeing the musicians, you know, on stage on Sunday, you know, kind of playing. But other than that, we didn't really go to a lot of concerts or anything like that. And my parents weren't really musicians. Um, and yeah, just kind of like really rural town. Uh, no, no other like kids on my street or anything. So I was just kind of like only child thing. So I, I kind of gravitated towards things like skateboarding, things I could do on my own. Um, so it wasn't really until uh, I was probably a teenager that I, I got into playing music and, and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, as far as the childhood goes, it's pretty, pretty uh, real simple, you know, just small town vibes. <laughs> For sure. Now, who were some of the bands or albums you listened to growing up as a kid that kind of made you gravitate towards music? So again, like as a kid, um, you know, wasn't really exposed to a lot of music. Like I, I, my parents, they were big Elvis fans. So I, I was definitely familiar with with that kind of uh, sound, which was more of like the Southern gospel. I think my parents kind of gravitated towards that. So Southern gospel was definitely a sound that I was familiar with. Um, wasn't really my my thing like as a kid, um, you know, the instrumentation and, and kind of the production and stuff. I, I, I wasn't really uh, attracted to that so much, but, um, but that was what I was exposed to. And then I think it was probably, you know, a little bit, again more like in my teenage years I, I started um hearing artists like nickel creek or like john mayer and the, these kind of uh artists with at that time were more acoustic driven and that really appealed to me um and can kind of spark the interest in maybe playing guitar um and, and it just seemed approachable because the acoustic guitar um when you pick it up in the music shop it sounds a lot like it does on the record. You don't need a lot of effects or, or you know, anything like that. You can just kind of start strumming on it. It's like, okay, yeah, this is this is similar to what I hear on the on their album, and yeah. it kind of sparked that interest for me. Now, uh, was it in, what age was it that you picked up the guitar then? So I was uh, right around like 15, 14, 15 years old. Um, I had a buddy that that played guitar, and I think just seeing him do it kind of gave me you know, the, the confidence that maybe I could do it. Um, and, and he kind of showed me my first couple chords on the guitar and then, um, yeah, just kind of stuck with it. And then I got a couple of my friends into, uh, playing guitar and, and bass and stuff as well. And then, you know, the, what naturally happens after that is we all start a band and we start kind of just 
thumbing through some some songs, trying some songwriting, uh, mainly more like in the rock style. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, again, mainly acoustic driven, but uh, eventually evolved into getting an electric guitar and kind of playing around with some of those textures and playing really loud and <laughs> taking some years off my ears, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, with the amp cranked up and stuff. But but yeah, around 15 and then probably started playing together with my friends uh, in like a band setting around 17. So after a couple of years. Do you remember the name of your guys' band at that time? Yeah, so uh, the the rock band was called Adelia. Uh, and we, we were just doing some some real like post-rock kind of sounding stuff. A lot of uh, more instrumental, you know, not not a lot of vocals. No, no one was really identifiable as like a singer, like in our friend group. So we gravitated more towards like the explosions in the sky, you know, kind of yes. sounds where you guys are familiar with like the Friday Night Lights soundtrack, more stuff like that, but mm-hmm. definitely not up to that level. We were just kids thumbing around on it. Now, did you have to drive up to Cincinnati to find gigs or did your small town have like some like little venues you guys could get into? Yeah, so the the town that I grew up in, um, there there were like a couple like honky tonks and that was about it. So um, unless you were playing, you know, traditional country music, um, th- those like venues or bars in the, in the town really wouldn't be interested in, in having live music unless it was going to be traditional country. And at that time, that wasn't what we were pursuing. So we did play um, some venues uh, in Cincinnati, like Bogarts that were traditionally like rock venues and things like that. So I think having that uh, larger urban environment kind of uh, helped us explore d- different genres and, um, you know, ultimately with the universities uh kind of being in cincinnati and in northern kentucky i got exposed to like jazz musicians and things like that so you know as i continued my musical journey i got more interested in you know other styles like blues and jazz and things like that as well for sure now coming out of high school did you already know that you wanted to do music professionally or did you go to college for something else yeah so i i think you know coming out of high school music was a big passion of mine but i didn't really have a vision for like a career path. So um, my parents, they were, they were really um, excited for me to go to college. I was the first uh, person in my, my family to, to go to college, you know, so there was like a big deal for them to kind of say, Hey, we, we'd like you to go to college um, regardless of what you want to study. You know, we just think that, you know, given our, our life experience, education w- would have helped. So they were, they were really just kind of big on me going. So I, I just kind of jumped right into college um, doing just general education requirements. I didn't really have a major picked out. Um, I didn't really consider doing music as, as a major at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just kind of took some gen eds and uh, I really liked my psychology class that I took, like the 100 level psych class. It was in a big lecture hall. I was like, man, this is cool. And I, I like people. So maybe, you know, learning about how, how people think and stuff, that, that would be fun. So I just declared a a major in psychology Um, and not really, you know, with a specific job in mind, just because I like the coursework that I was studying at the time. Um, So, yeah, and and all along, you know, my college, you know, kind of career, I I still was playing music and becoming more and more interested in blues and jazz and things like that. So about my junior year of college is when I really kind of focused in and thought, man, I would really like to pursue music full time, you know, rather than continue pursuing maybe like a master's or a doctorate degree in psychology. So I, I told my parents, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to change my major to, to music. And they kind of, uh, you know, were reluctant at that at the time because 
they really didn't know what it would look like to make money as a musician. You know, they didn't have any experience in, in that field and um, they didn't see a way forward. So they, they said, you know, why don't you finish out the, the psych degree that you're in now? Because you're, you know, you're in your junior year, so you only got a couple semesters left. And then you can start preparing for a music program. So you can take some lessons because at that point, um, or up until that point, I'd never had any formal training. It's just been kind of whatever I could find on like ultimate-guitartab.com or, you know, just <laughs> yeah. playing stuff wrong off of the, the records I was hearing. So uh, I thought that, that that sounded like a good compromise. So I just continued studying psychology and um, I started taking uh, guitar lessons at the Cincinnati Music Academy. So I was driving about 45 minutes every Saturday. So I'd go to school Monday through Friday and, you know, I was working part-time and stuff as well. Um, but then every Saturday I would drive up and I took a one hour uh, guitar lessons with uh, Joel Greenberg. So he was, he was my first guitar teacher and he, he was a uh, Cincinnati conservatory of music um, graduate for, for jazz guitar. So he really kind of started breaking down, um, you know, reading notated sheet music and, and, you know, giving me some of the theory basics that I needed. And then, Towards the end of uh, my tenure at Northern Kentucky University in the psych program, I was able to start taking some uh, general music theory classes as electives just to kind of prepare um, for a music program. So, um, so yeah, after I graduated uh, with the psych degree, um, I was kind of interested in maybe, you know, moving to a different city, like maybe Chicago or, uh, you know, even Louisville. I know they had like a pretty good music program. So I, I was kind of looking around at different universities just for a change of scenery and, you know, with the intention of studying music. And uh, turns out that even if you've graduated with a bachelor's degree, if you're entering another bachelor's degree program, um, the universities kind of think of you as a transfer student. So when, when you're transferring, not all of your credits will uh, kind of transfer. So when I was looking at Northwestern or I was looking at University of Louisville or even University of Cincinnati. Um, a lot of my general education requirements that I'd already uh, taken, um, I was going to have to retake those at a different university. So it was going to be extra time, extra money. And I was kind of bummed about that. So uh, very reluctantly, I, I explored the music program at Northern Kentucky University. I was like, man, I've, I've already been here, you know, for four years. I really don't want to do another two at the same university, but if they'll take all of my general education requirements and I can just only study music classes, then that might be the selling point. And um, that ended up being the case. So I auditioned um, in January uh, and then I um, was accepted. So I started that next fall um, at, at Northern Kentucky University and did a bachelor's music um, in jazz studies on guitar there. So that kind of helped propel me for everything that, that, that came after that. So was it coming out of college then, uh, out of the music program that you made the decision to move to Nashville? Yeah, so I, um, it, again, country music and kind of the I mean, pedal steel and these things, these were all things that were way beyond the horizon for me. I mean, especially in college, I was um, primarily really only playing guitar. You know, I, I had a Telecaster and I was listening to guys like John Schofield, Bill Frizzell. I was trying to learn a lot of jazz vocabulary and play a lot of standards and that scene in Cincinnati was a lot larger uh, at that time than like a country music scene or anything like that. So, so gigs I was doing would be more, you know, real book gigs, playing thing, jazz standards uh, or, you know, things with like a big band and kind of, kind of things like that. So um, yeah, at that time I, I was just thinking, man, I'm going to 
probably be a jazz guitarist and, you know, eventually maybe I'll teach at a university or something like that. So, so moving to Nashville and those types of things definitely weren't on my radar, but I could appreciate the sounds of, uh, you know, these more Americana based instruments. So like banjo or dobro or uh, lap steel or pedal steel. I was, I was also at that time listening to guys like Daniel Lanois who are very like textural on the pedal steel. They're not so much like what you would hear in like a Nashville studio, but, but just using it as an ambient texture. So I was starting to become more interested in, in that and trying to make my guitar mimic a pedal steel at times. So I was using the volume pedal, playing guitars with Bigsby's on them and, you know, adding some tremolo. So really just had to come to terms with myself. Like, man, I'm really trying to make my guitar sound like a pedal steel. I think a pedal steel would just do a better job at that. So I was always interested, but then, especially with that instrument, there's, there's a barrier of like, well, there's not a lot of people playing it, especially in like Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati. And then, you know, the cost of the instrument just to alone, just to get started. I mean, even like a, a starter model um, that really wouldn't be considered capable of any type of professional work. Um, those are going to be at least like a thousand bucks. So, I mean, you, when you're kind of thinking about taking a risk on an instrument, just to see if you like it or not. Um, that was always kind of the, the thing that held me back from jumping into it. Um, but kind of what ended up happening is um, over the years in Cincinnati, I, I did some uh, composition work like for videos, like uh, like internet videos or um, animated videos. I, I would just get in in the box, like in Ableton or Logic and just do like kind of full compositions with percussion. And, I, and then I started um, borrowing banjos from my friends and, and playing like little banjo tracks, depending on what the composition you know needed. And then um, started doing some studio work in, in town on the guitar and, and started playing with different people. And then they had other instruments in the studio and they're like, man, you know, it'd be really cool if we had a banjo, you know, part. Uh, and then I was just kind of like, well, I'm ambitious enough. They're like, man, I think it's got strings on it. And um, I know what key we're in. So I don't know how to play banjo fully, but let me, let me just tune the banjo to like the, the chord of the song, you know, yeah. not, not necessarily open G like standard player would, but I was just like, yeah, let me find some chord tones here. And then I'll come up with the part and that kind of gave me some confidence to like, man, I really like thumbing around on the banjo. So I bought a banjo that was a little more realistic price wise. And then I'm, you know, just started, kind of started doing the melodic style study and the scrug style study. I got a couple books and then the banjo kind of started getting my name into more country artists, you know, uh, circles. So it was like, Hey, yeah, I know this guy that plays banjo. So they weren't necessarily thinking of me as like, Lance, the jazz guitarist slash, you know, composer. It was more of like, yeah, I know a guy that plays banjo. So then, um, yeah, I started picking up some gigs, uh, playing country music with a, with a guy in Northern Kentucky named Derek Allen. And uh, I was doing some Telecaster guitar um, and then some banjo and really wasn't loving it. Um, I wasn't loving like doing the country repertoire on, on guitar because um, it, it to me, it felt like a, a new language. Like I had a lot of new vocabulary to learn and I was yeah. less interested in learning a new language on a, on a familiar instrument. So I was already kind of pretty consistent and fluent with like a, like a lot of the two five ones, you know, that you would need for, for jazz repertoire. So mm -hmm. it just didn't really spark a lot of creative energy for me. Uh, but the idea of playing more banjo in a country setting, that was really appealing. And uh, we were at a gig one night and uh, Derek had kind of mentioned, he's like, man, I always wanted a pedal steel player in my band. And I was like, well, I've always been fascinated with the pedal steel. That's cool, man. I wish I could, 
you know, play one. I bet I would love it. And he was like, well, I have one in my basement. I bought it like a few years ago, hoping somebody would be crazy enough to try to learn how to play it. I was like, you have a pedal steel in your basement? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, dude, if you don't mind, I'll, I would love to borrow that and see if I, you know, can kind of wrap my brain around it. And uh, sure enough, next day I drove over to his house and picked it up, got home, got it all tuned up, at least what I thought was tuned up and started making some sounds on it and immediately fell in love with it. And I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to play pedal steel. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was even the next week I, I learned like maybe two or three songs out of our set list. And I took it out on the gig and I was still playing guitar, still playing some banjo, but then I played pedal steel on a few songs and, you know, everybody in the band kind of turned around. They're like, dude, that actually sounded pretty good. You know, you've only been playing pedal steel for like a week and a half. I was like, yeah, I, I guess I'm playing pedal steel. So that was kind of my introduction to it. And then it kind of just snowballed from there, like with playing with Derek and then him subbing out different musicians on guitar or on drums. Um, musicians were coming up from Nashville and playing with him and musicians were coming up from Louisville and playing with him. So I started meeting an entire network of people through this uh, gig with Derek Allen um, that were connected to people in Louisville and in Nashville. And then, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, once you get into a, a social circle and people are aware of who you are and what you do, um, then, you know, even if you're at the bottom of their call list, if no one else is available, then all of a sudden you start getting text messages and phone calls or, you know, DMs or something like, hey, man, are you available on Friday? We need somebody to play this instrument. And you're like, I am available. So then, yeah, yeah, there was a good period of my life where I was still living in northern Kentucky and just making the drive down to Nashville. It was like about three and a half hours, you know, mm -hmm. driving down at least once a week. And then I was starting to stay in Nashville a little longer each time. And then eventually decided like, yeah, I probably need to make the move down here since I'm working down here every week, you know? So that's, that's kind of the, the slow progression, but yeah. And, and ultimately I fell in love with like more traditional country music and stuff, just, just through exploring the, the instruments that I play. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode and I'd like to take a pause to thank this week's mid-break sponsor, Termery. As busy musicians, it is crucial that you get a good night's sleep so you can go on the road or in the studio well-rested. And that's where Turmery comes into play. With a wide variety of mattresses, mattress toppers, beddings, and pillows, Turmery is your one-stop shop to a good night's sleep. I personally use their 5-Zone mattress topper, which was designed to target and relieve pressure points, and I can truly say I have seen a change in my night's sleep. Turmery also takes pride in using sustainable materials in their products, such as pure organic, non-GMO cotton, latex, bamboo, and linen. So go check them out for yourself at turmery.com and use code SSM10 for 10% off your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the episode. Now, uh, pedal steel is actually what got me into music as well. Uh, my grandpa's played uh, a Zum pedal steel for over 30 years in local bands and stuff. And I still have vivid memories of listening to like Tommy White vinyl and uh, Buddy, oh, Emmons. Awesome. Buddy Emmons is from my hometown, South Bend. And so leading up to that, is there any classic uh, legendary steel players that you look up to or resonate with their style? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like Lloyd Green, um, that, you know, that's a name that I think every pedal steel player would would appreciate, especially on the on the E9 neck, because um, that's primarily what what I'm hired to play. And I think what what Lloyd was able to do on E9 with with a very simple setup, you know, with the three pedals and the four knee levers, and and just his creative approach um, is very inspiring. Also, uh, really like Weldon Myrick. Uh, I find a lot of uh, inspiration listening to his album or the albums that he he's on and um, 
again, like more modern guys like Daniel Lenoir, like initially got me interested in the pedal steel and, and a more textural approach. But um, as far as like deeper dives in the instrument, yeah, I'd say Lloyd Green and Weldon Myrick for sure. And then there's, a, you know, obviously a ton of amazing players in town currently, you know, like Eddie Dunlap and Tyler Hall. I mean, these guys are crushing it. And you can go out, you know, any night of the week and catch them playing in town. And then that's equally as inspirational as me throwing on a vinyl and listening to someone. So sure. pretty cool being in Nashville and seeing some absolute titans, you know, on the instrument. Have you ever gotten to meet like Paul Franklin or anyone like that? I uh, haven't gotten to meet Paul Franklin. Um, I, I saw him recently uh, playing with Vince at the Ryman. So that was a pretty cool experience. My family, um, they like Vince Gill. So they, they came down to visit and we, we caught him at the Ryman. Um, and I actually thought Tommy White was going to be playing uh, just from base to based on the photos I've seen of the tour. Yeah. But uh, I guess with him being in town um, and potentially like Opry con conflicting with Tommy's schedule, I think Tommy probably played the Opry and, and Paul ended up playing the Ryman. So it was, it was, it was really cool. You know, I was on the side of the stage where the pedal steel was, so I, I could hear it really well. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, one of the guys that I have a kind of a friendship mentorship with um, Scotty Sanders. So he's a, he's a steel player studio cat. Um, mm -hmm. I met him on a gig. He was, he was playing um, Dobro actually for Wyatt McCubbin. And oh, uh, we had him on yes. the show. Yeah. So Wyatt, amazing songwriter, amazing musician. And, uh, you know, that, that duo with Scotty and Wyatt, um, as, as the opening said, I mean, I, that, in my opinion, could, could have been the headliner, you know, so the fact that they were opening for, for us at that, at that venue, you know, I was kind of like, man, this, this seems a little backwards, but <laughs> definitely enjoyed the set and, and connected with Scotty there. And uh, Scotty's been really, really nice about keeping in contact with me and we'll, we'll grab lunch and just talk about the industry and recordings that he's on and I'll kind of sit in on sessions with Scotty and guys like Brent Mason on guitar and, you know, oh, just man. like these, yeah, this, just these guys that, you know, I'm looking around the room kind of thinking, well, why am I here? How am I here? You know, this, <laughs> I just need to be quiet, not, not draw too much attention to myself or they're going to figure, figure out who I am and ask me to leave, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so Scotty's definitely a, a, a guy that I, I really look up to and admire his playing um, as well. And, he, and he's a current guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's the guy where he's in the studio working and then somebody's like, oh, hey, did you hear this uh, Cody Johnson song just went number one? And then it's like, yeah, Janae, weren't you and Scotty on, on that album or on that song? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man, I would be, I'd, I'd be freaking out. You know, I'd be jumping up and down like, oh, I played Steel on a number one song. But, right. um, you know, they're just at that level where they're just so professional and just doing, doing a day in and day out. And they have it so dialed in that and it's not not surprising, you know, that excellence, you know, kind of showcases that on, on songs and they go number one and all that stuff. So, yeah. Now, to your current gig, you are currently playing steel guitar for William Michael Morgan. When did you first uh, meet William? So I was uh, friends with William's previous steel players, CJ Collandre. And uh, we were actually roommates for a little while. So when I first moved to town, um, he owned a house in East Nashville and it had a few bedrooms um and he was like yeah man he's like you know since i bought the house i've always uh, rented out the the bedrooms to other musicians and stuff and he was like and, and you know i know that if you probably don't want a roommate he was like but i know you're traveling a lot playing music he's like i'm traveling a lot and at that time he was playing with william michael morgan he was like so he's like i think it would be a really good idea if when you first move um you know if you want to be roommates he was like i can help introduce you to some people and kind of give you a little bit more insight to you know being a side man and the steel guy in nashville and um so like yeah man that sounds great 
So I first interacted with William just, um, I was actually playing with a, a artist in Columbus, Ohio, and CJ was uh, playing with William in Columbus, Ohio. We were just at different venues. So uh, we loaded in and uh, did our sound check. And then before we played, I had a few hours. So we shot over to you know the arena where they were playing with William and met up with CJ and went backstage and met the band and met all those guys. So that was a really fun experience. And then yeah, just kind of uh, over the next like few years, um, you know, things started slowing down because of COVID and then obviously COVID happened. And then uh, William at that point was getting ready to be doing a heavy season of like writing and more recording. So CJ was uh, just kind of saying like, hey, I think I'm going to take a different gig that's going to be a little bit more active, like coming out of COVID, whereas mm -hmm. like William might be a little bit more songwriting focused. He was like, so if you're interested, he's like, I can throw your name in the hat. For, for William Michael Morgan um he was like but I you know I'm probably gonna be taking this other gig and I think he ended up playing with um Clay Walker after that and I think now he's with he's with Billy Kirk so um yeah it was just kind of uh mainly at the recommendation of CJ um he, he thought that I, I could you know hold the gig down and be able to do it and kind of threw my name in the hat and then I played a couple shows with William uh and he seemed to really like my playing and um He's still keeping me around, so I can't complain too much about that. Do you have a favorite song in your set currently that you kind of just get hyped about every time you see it coming up in the set? Absolutely. So uh, vinyl, um, it's it's one of uh, the ones that was that was off of. Uh, I guess it's the self-titled. Um, it, vinyl is the title of the album. Um, but you know, even even like when we're sound checking and when Williams like, man, guys, what do you you got anything you want to run? I'm always like, well. I wouldn't be uh, opposed to running vinyl twice tonight. You know, we'll do it once at soundcheck and then once in the set, you know, so, and it works out because um, William really loves that song too. He's even got like vinyl tattoo, like on his, on his hand, you know, with the, you know, so it's, it's an easy sell every time I suggest vinyl. Um, but yeah, I always, I always look forward to that one. Um, and then people like me is, is another really fun one. That's a little more upbeat uh, and it's got some pretty cool steel guitar um, licks and us and a big you know little solo at the end so it's always a fun one for me to play in the set and I'm sure the fans probably go crazy uh when you guys do I met a girl at like these festival shows and stuff yeah oh yeah yeah the I met a girl is always always really fun and special and you know sometimes you know the fans they all get like their cell phone lights out and you know kind of creates like a like a little ambiance there um and then you know that's always one if we have a meet and greet or something before the show fans are always like Hey, you guys, uh, you're going to play, I met a girl, right? And we're, we're always like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, but we, we usually save it till, till the end of the set. Um, right. But, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, William's a big fan of George Strait and we, we do have a couple um, George Strait covers in the set and the crowd really seems to dig it when, when, when we cover George Strait, I think, um, you know, it's probably a testament to, you know, his, his, his songs and, and, you know, kind of what name he's made for himself, but, uh, I think I think we do the George Strait song some some justice. So I think those are always pretty fun to play in the set as well. You guys always steel heavy. Yeah, yeah. You got to <laughs> throw a give it all we got tonight. That's a great one in the set. That'd be great steel on there. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll slip that on you know into Williams' ear and see see if it makes it onto the set list at some point. <laughs> now I like to close all my interviews out uh, with asking what's a piece of advice you've learned along your way to and what, what give to someone that wants to be a professional musician like yourself. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, the, the main thing to keep in mind is um, a lot of other career paths uh, seem secure. You know, it's like, oh, well, you'll get a salary right out of the gate or you'll get um, insurance or or this this is a more secure path. 
And really, um, it's just, uh, it's all about your perspective. Um, nothing's secure. I mean, even at a salary job, you could be let go at any time, you know, so there's perceived security. But if you're passionate about pursuing music, then I would encourage you just, you know, carve your own path, just make sure that you are willing to take risks, you're willing to say yes to pretty much anything and everything. Um, and, you know, eventually hard work uh, will, will pay off. Um, and I would also encourage uh, people don't take work or gigs based on what you think might happen. Just make sure that like, okay, this gig happens on this day and it pays this amount. And if you're willing to do that, then commit to it for that reason only. And then if things end up escalating and, and you know, getting bigger or something in the future, awesome. But then that'll, that'll help keep you from getting jaded and, and expecting something more than what's being offered. So yeah, don't, don't be afraid to dive right in and then yeah, say yes to everything essentially. <laughs> well guys, there you have it. My conversation with Lance Martin. Lance, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at Lance underscore Martin. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Justin DeGraff, bassist for Seaforth. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small. <laughs>